welcome. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Pastor Steve of Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny perfectly orchestrated for those who are willing to be adventurous enough to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you allow the presence of the comforting Holy Spirit of God to radically display the Father's love for you. You are a part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to Pastor Steve. Um, I am going to get right into today's um, time together in the Word. So, I am strongly encouraging you to do two things. One, take advantage of these lovely folks here that have a Bible. If you do not have a Bible, we would love to give you a Bible. This Bible not only is a loner Bible, but can also be a personal you-keep-it Bible because I... Uh, one of the most exciting things that I can say that I do in the ministry is to give people an opportunity to dive into the love letter between your father and your heart. Most folks don't know that they're loved because they just don't know the scriptures. And we're going to dive into this today. The second thing is if you are a uh, a note person... I, I pray grace on you. Um, if you are a note person that uses pencil and paper, please relocate close to a fire extinguisher. Because the speed at which I'm going to go today is going to be uh, mind-numbing. But your heart has the capacity to take it because you are... Uh, you are going to have an opportunity through the Spirit of God to have uh, revelation and understanding. So I would, um, I want you to believe that you can receive these things by the Spirit that has a greater opportunity than just your brain. If you try to get what I'm going to say today with your brain, you are probably going to be irritated at me. And I'm used to it, so it's okay. Send me an email to junk at stevecastle. If you do not have our church app, I would strongly encourage you to get our church app. On our church app, you can watch our videos and listen to our podcasts. I'm not telling you to do anything in your spiritual life that I don't do. Today will be a message that if you are not willing to invest uh, three, five, seven, ten more times in listening to it, you will not be able to get out of it the spiritual vitamins and minerals that are going to be in it. And I'm not saying that because I think I'm the most awesome preacher. Because of what I know that the Holy Spirit's going to do with us today, I can assure you <laughs> that this is going to be uh, a little bit of me and a lot of him. 
because of that, there's going to be way deeper amounts of layers in everything that's going to happen than just your cerebral cortex has the ability to properly um, digest. So I, I want you to know that you should go over this many, many, many more times after service. Me personally, right now, in my truck, I'm listening to a series. It's a 10-message series. I'm on my third time. Um, some of those messages I, I, uh, I've listened to five or seven times on my phone. I'm listening to a series on pod, a podcast series, and I've already... the particular message I'm on right now is like the, I don't know, 15th or 20th time that I've listened to it. So I'm not asking you to do anything that I don't do. I, I know that probably most of you are way sharper than me, and so you can get stuff faster and better than I can. And, and I'm totally cool with that. But for me, I'm a guy, you got to tell me like 15, 20 times, my wife says amen. <laughs> not even my wife, that's my daughter. Man, I'm I'm moving down on this scale. <laughs> Even my daughter is recognized. And I, I, it's actually spiritual because if you, I, I don't know how many of you realize this, but the Lord said in scriptures, fifteen different times, fifteen different times that He was going to die to His disciples directly. Seven of those times, he told them that he was going to die, that he was going to be crucified, and he was going to be raised from the dead. So he said it seven times that we have copies of in the scriptures. And who knows how many times that we don't have a copy of. And they still all absolutely freaked out and lost their marbles when it happened. So if it took them seven times, and now before we go making fun of the disciples... Because it's, it's kind of common in Christianity to do that, to make fun of the disciples. Um, I'll say this. In three and a half years, those guys were able and ready to change the world. And I can say that I've been around the kingdom of God for 40, almost 42 years now. And to find a person that can go from zero to ready to change the world in three and a half years is absolutely radical. Most people can't even attend the same church for three years. Let alone allow themselves to be changed into a world changer in three and a half years. So before you go making fun of the disciples, well, yeah, the Lord had to repeat himself seven times. (laughs) Don't. (laughs) So... This is uh, King and Kingdom, a series that the Lord, I believe, was very specific about leading us into as we step into more and more manifestations of this great awakening that he has, not only for the church, firstly, for our nation, secondly, but for the world. The Father is never... Uh, self-centered or selfish 
everything that God does in agape, the very definition of agape is you care more for someone else than you do for yourself. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 22, the greatest commandment is to love God with everything you got and then love your neighbor as yourself. It doesn't mean as like you're, because I've heard preachers say this and it, <sighs> shalom. It doesn't mean love yourself really, really good. And then that way you'll learn how to love someone else. It is such a twisting of scripture. We are so self-centered as a society that we can even twist the scriptures into giving us permission to be self-centered. <laughs> it is radical to me. It literally means the person that you love the most, if you were to be honest, and not in church, is you. You will pamper yourself. You'll do everything you want. All of the emotions, like Pastor Ryan was talking about, all the emotions that come to you, you just embrace them. Let them rip. Doesn't matter what happens to anyone else in your life. This is why people can just get in a marriage, get out of a marriage. They can... uh, Parenting is a wreck today. Just let kids do whatever they want and they think that they're loving them. <laughs> it, 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 be, it all comes down to self-centeredness. It's hard to do the right thing. It grates on your flesh to do the right thing. It creates tension to do the right thing. But it's still the right thing. And the God's kind of love is He cared more for us than He cared for Himself. He literally tore apart the Trinity. I don't know how many people can even grasp that. I don't even know if I can grasp it. I just said it. He tore apart the Trinity to give mankind an opportunity at redemption. And people defecate all over that free gift. And it is cool to do it. If you watch TV, it is one of the coolest things you can do on TV is to malign and belittle and use as the punchline of a joke God and His people. And God bless you people that pay for TV servers to get that stuff pumped into your house. (laughs) It is working against your heart. Where the treasures of your heart are where your money is. And when you're supporting, never mind, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to stay on track. This is King and Kingdom. And we are going to learn more about how to live in the life that you were created for. You were not created to be a human being of the natural, held down, anchored down, to a one-dimensional physical existence. God intended for you to carry His life, His ability, His heart, His love, His nature, His character, His identity into this world and redeem a lost and broken world by the things of God. That is his kingdom. Luke chapter 12. This is our foundation verses. And seek not, in verse 29, 
the, the Lord of heaven and earth in the way that He teaches and trains us, specifically right here, to operate in this kingdom life, first tells us what to avoid. That's important. Seek not. It's actually very good uh, discipleship. It's very good teaching. It's very good training for you parents in the room. It's very good parenting to help those folks that you have influence in and with and over to avoid things that are dangerous to them. This is not politically correct in today's world. In today's world, you're just supposed to let everybody live the way they want to live, do everything they want to do, no matter how destructive it is, no matter how much it tears apart the fabrics of society, no matter what the damage is, you just got to let people do what they want to do because, God forbid, you ever tell someone that they're doing something wrong. It, and I'm, I know that you guys are like, no, come on, Pastor. I'm telling you, I could make half this church quit right now <laughs> by getting into three areas. If I talk to you directly, if I was to call someone out from the stage about your marriage, about your parenting, or about your money, <laughs> the likelihood of you walking out is very high, which is why I don't do it. I talk in generalities. Because you're not allowed to talk to anybody ever about those three things. And it doesn't matter if God has told you to or not. Who does God think He is to talk to me about my marriage? And seek not what you shall eat, what you shall drink. The natural sources, the natural economics, the natural provisions of your life. You don't seek those things. I know we're all in church, and so we all are, have our spiritual faces on, and so we all agree because it's on the screen. But when you walk out the door, and you're not being followed around by that irritant Steve Castle, and you think nobody's listening or looking, is this for real? Or are these just words on a screen? Because the reality is, is that for most of us, 40, 50, 60, 70 hours of our week are seeking these things. And when we're, oftentimes when people are not seeking these things, they're thinking about how to get up or go to bed or get all the stuff sorted or pack the lunch or do the thing so that you can tomorrow make sure that you seek these things. And then we want to get mad at God because He's not abundantly providing for us the way that He had promised to do. And we think that He is unfaithful. When He laid this out, hey, you first don't seek. I was hoping there was one amen. You seek not these things. Neither be of doubtful mind. This is talking about the activities of your thoughts. If they are drilling down towards these things, then not only are you still seeking these things, but you are producing in your own life the very activities that are going to negate the promises of God in you. 
I really want to expound that, but I need to move on. For all these things do the nations, the ethos, these are the people groups of the world, a natural people group of this natural world living one-dimensionally is going to be doing this. If I was to set up a, a secret camera outside your house and your neighbor, your unbelieving, God-forsaken, don't care a rip about the kingdom of God, Christianity, or nothing. If I set up a camera at the front of your house and in front of their house, and the activities are exactly the same, I think you could probably figure out what that means. There should be something that is pronounced and visually different about the way we live, the way we speak, the activities of our lives, our thought processes, the way we see things, the way we hear things, the way we understand things. It should literally be worlds apart. Worlds apart. And I know the reason that most Christians don't is because people call you weird. Man. If there was a way for me to like do this in the spirit, like call you weird in the natural, which would propel you into the spirit, I'd do it. If it, if it took me insulting you, I'd totally do it. I know a bunch of you are like, I know. But it's amazing that how the world can threaten you or even uh, insinuate that they're going to do something insulting and it persuades a believer to walk away from maybe their stance or their their belief systems. I could unplug right here and go 100 directions, but I'm not going to because I know what we have to do. For all these things do the natural people of this world. They seek. One of the things that you can do is you can watch the people of this world. And things that are very important to them things that they invest in heavily and deeply, things that take up their time and their thought life and their minds and their activities, take note. If those things are in you, then you have not moved into the kingdom like you could and should. I know that was a little bit deep, but I hope you get that. I used to have all my managers when I ran restaurants carry a pocket card and one of the one of the philosophies that I required my managers to know was there's two ways to learn things the first and best way is to see someone doing something very well and emulate them this is why the scriptures say be ye followers of me like that's what Paul said and it also talks about in Galatians, uh, I think it's four one. it says that we're supposed to emulate Christ. Godliness means God-likeness, which means we're supposed to see God and be like that. So the first and best way to learn something is to see someone doing something well and then emulate them. The second way that learning is done, is to see someone or something being done very badly and do the opposite. Man, I, I could drill down on that, but I won't. <clears throat> what is 
uh, I think is comical is how people notice and see things being done badly all around them, comment on how badly it is, and then go do it the same way. <laughs> it's shocking to me, and it happens all the time. If you pay attention, this is absolutely normal. Absolutely normal. Well, I can't believe that guy would go out to the boat and, and drop, you know, a thousand dollars gambling. Hey, honey, grab me that penny so I can scratch my scratch off. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your father knows that you have need of these things. Your prayer life is not supposed to have the directive of making sure that poor, misinformed, uninformed God finds out about all the stuff going on in your life. God knows more about the things going on in your life than you do. And I know you're thinking, no, you don't. (laughs) The reason that you think that you know more about your problems is because you're actually living in them. And I can't tell you how many times I've tried to help people with problems in their life and they just kept saying to me, well, you don't understand. You don't understand. You don't know what I'm feeling. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know. Exactly. Shouldn't you literally reach out to people who aren't in the muck? It'd be terrible. I could imagine people outside of the Titanic that fateful night turning to someone else that's drowning and say, can you please tell me how to not drown? And have them turn and say, of course I can. Let me give you all of the principles of not drowning in icy water. And they'd be right. The principles are right while they're drowning. It would be way more effective to see someone in a boat and say, hey, help. (laughs) Okay, I got one. Yep. You don't, if you're seeking out people that are going through the same things you're going through or in the same things you're in or maybe have gone through the same things you've gone through and those are the only people that have the ability to speak into or the right to speak into your problems, you have just narrowed down the success and victory in your life to almost zero. Almost zero. Because the reality is, is that nobody goes through exactly what you're going through. And so the enemy will keep telling you, no, no, they're not, they don't really understand what you're going through. You don't really understand. If Jesus really understood what I was going through, he would have done something greater than the cross, the death, and the resurrection of the atonement. He'd come down and give me a tingle. Right? He'd cover me with like feathers of angels and, and I would feel him rub my tushy at night to make me feel like everything's going to be better in the morning if he really understood what I was going through. He was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. Whatever you've been tempted with, he was tempted with and kicked its tailbone. This happens a lot in ministry where... Uh, there's a lot of gals that think that they can't receive from guys because guys don't understand what gals go through. Yep. What does that have to do with the eternal value of the Scriptures? Anything? It happens with guys, too. Guys think, well, I'm women, they don't, 
know anything about what we go through. You just keep on limiting what God wants to do in your life. Here's what I know. The audible voice of God. The audible voice of God sounds just like K. You almost can't tell them apart. There's times when I'm in the Spirit, in my office, dreaming of the grandiose, majestic things of God. And I hear through the house, Stephen! And I say, yes, Lord. And the Lord answers back, the trash is full. Yes, Lord, I will accomplish that mission for you with the anointing. Humility says that God has the right to speak to you through anyone, anytime, about anything. If that's not a reality in your life, then you are limiting God. Don't you dare blame God that he hasn't sent you an answer to your problem. Don't you dare. Now, you can put blame on people. It's totally cool today to be a victim. That is the coolest thing you can be in today's society, is a victim. Because that, that way, everybody knows nothing's your fault. You're actually perfect. If it wasn't for all the jerks around you, you'd be awesome. Your father knows what you need. I would encourage you with this. Let him worry about your needs. And then you set your affection and your thoughts on things above. You think on the things that he told you to think on. Philippians uh, 2, 8, 9 says, Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are of good report, whatsoever things are lovely, if there be any virtue and there be any praise, Think on these things. That's your job. can't tell you how many times I've had someone, and I'm counseling, and they're like, okay, just tell me what to do, pastor. <laughs> okay. Think on these things. No, 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 no. Tell me something easier, or, or give me a checkbox, or give me a physical thing I can do. Okay. Think on these things. No, no, no. That's too hard to keep my thoughts going that way. Give me something easier. Okay. How about this? Don't think on these things. No, no, no. Fine, then do what you want to do. Why are you asking me for help? Happens all the time. Think on these things. You know, it says in uh, Isaiah 26, 3, that God Himself will keep you in perfect peace if your mind is stayed on Him. God Himself, that's a personal promise from God. God Himself will keep you in perfect peace. Well, I'm not in perfect peace. Guess what you just said? You cannot be thinking on the things of CNN and be in perfect peace. That's a little section of hell. You cannot be thinking on your natural needs... What you shall eat, what you shall drink, put your mind on those things, and be in peace. You cannot do it. It is impossible. But if you stay your mind on the things of God, on Him, 
This is a deep, powerful promise that He Himself will keep you. And that word keep is to guard and protect. He will guard and protect your place of peace. Shalom. He will do that. That is so awesome. And so underutilized. Alright, back to Luke. i got to stay on focus. But rather seek ye. In Matthew 6 it says, seek first. Most importantly, primary. Seek first His kingdom. His kingdom. The kingdom of God. His kingdom. Not yours. Because you all, everybody has a kingdom. And compared to His, it's not that awesome. Amen. When we were, we grew up really, really super poor. And the, give, me, give me like 90 seconds at the end of the message to make up for this time to tell you this funny story. When we were really, when we were kids, we were really, really poor. And so when we had to go do fun stuff, it was like, take the garbage bags, put them all together, and make your own slip and slide. Or it was, in the winter, we'd go sledding down the hill across the slough pond. Because it was frozen, so it wasn't as gross. <laughs> Until you picked up your sled, and you're like, oh, I wonder what that is. It's slough. For those of you that are city folks, God bless you. Slough pond is a sewage. <laughs> One, You're not even from the city. Uh, so we would hear stories from all the rich kids in the trailer court <laughs> of going to like Six Flags and, and like real amusement parks. And we were like, what was it like to ride a roller coaster? Well, let me tell you. Something awesome. The, uh, everybody has their own perceptions, their own goggles through which they see stuff. And depending on how, well, how you filter those things or what it's going to be. So I grew up with this poverty mentality, and so I filtered everything through the poverty. And so even in powerful, pronounced scriptures like this, I still filtered it. So seek first his kingdom means doing my kingdom with some of his stuff. Or a couple of his philosophies or a couple of his ways. I'm gonna, I'm gonna seek my life, I'm gonna seek my future, I'm gonna seek my destiny and add some godliness. Like salt and pepper. No. It's not your kingdom. It's not yours. It's His. He's the King. It's His kingdom. And what most people, when they hear something like that, they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on now. So I'm just supposed to live my life for what God wants. That's going to super suck for me. Never going to have any fun. Never going to have any joy. Never going to... That's because you don't know Him. If you knew Him... You would understand. Oh, Lord. I wouldn't trade my life 
the quality and the quantity of the life that I have right now today. I wouldn't trade this for any of those times in the past where I was really, really seeking my own. When I was seeking my own, it almost cost me my marriage, my children, my uh, my health. I thought about killing myself because you providing for you is sorry. Yourself is never satisfied. Which is why most people walk around with sucking lemon face because you can't satisfy yourself and you're still trying. And you think if you try harder, then self will be satisfied. And the more you try, the more self says, hey, that is totally not enough. Work harder. And eventually you just get to the end of it. You're like, bye, I'll never be able to be happy. I'll never be able to be satisfied. I'll never be able... And either at that point, you either commit natural or spiritual suicide. So you just give up, which is what happens to a lot of people. There's a ton of folks out there that have committed spiritual suicide. They're just walking around like zombies, just making it from one day to the other. Completely dead. Completely. They got that stare where just they aren't even there. Or you come to the end of yourself and you realize you are incapable of ever saving, blessing, benefiting yourself. You get on your knees and you acknowledge the fact that you need a Savior. And He comes rushing in. And then he'll give you the most amazing marriage that you've ever had. He'll give you, uh, he'll give you access to abundant financial supply, to healthy emotions, to um, the power and the ability to live victoriously and as a conqueror in life. All these things happen organically. You didn't even intend to do it. And it came because you bowed your knee. You don't even know what will make you happy. You think you know. Well, if I just had this, how many times? You know, when I was a kid, if I just had Optimus Prime. (laughs) Some of you don't know what that is. You need to Google it later. If I just had Optimus Prime, the greatest transformer of all the transformers, I would be so satisfied. The funny thing is, uh, I think Gunner, somebody got me, did you get it? Somebody got me Optimus Prime when I was adult. And I was like, I got Optimus Prime. And I couldn't transform it. I had to ask Gunner to, son, will you please transform him? And the, even worse, if you ever sit in my office... Uh, Optimus Prime is transformed into a robot and I put him on the top of my shelf with his guns pointing down just to make sure that if there were any Decepticons that came into my office because I can't transform him and when he's a semi all he can do is run people over so now he's the robot and he's got his guns pointed down so if you come in my office and you're a Decepticon you're going to die because he's ready and because I don't know how to transform him back into it so he just stays up there as a robot i got to dust him off every once in a while If you seek first his stuff, then everything that you need will be added to you. You seek the happy meal, you get no happy, you just get the meal. You seek the bread of life, you get the meal and the happy. Fear not. 
little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you. Give you. Not charge you. Not debt you. Not tease you with. Not make you work really, really hard and give you as a pension. Not one day in the sweet by and by. When you die, go to heaven, then you get. No. Give you. Right now. Because he's a good, good father. We sang it. I want you to believe it. He's a good father. He's a good God. You are good. Good. Good fathers give good gifts. The more you believe your father is a good father, and the more you trust in him being a father, the more the gifts are good. If you think that you have to earn them, it's not a gift. And there is nothing in the kingdom of God that's for sale. Nothing. So no matter how much you work, no matter how much you think you pay for it, how many times I, I try to help people with their finances, and they think that if they tithe, then God will help them with their finances. Like God is like the magical stock market or something. Your tithing does nothing, zero, for God's willingness to extravagantly supply for your financial needs. But what your tithing will do or not do is say whether you believe it or not. People who don't give, obviously, are people that are very concerned about how that money is going to be replaced. And so they keep it, which is the world system. Keep everything you get. Hoard it. Because you just don't know. Someone might come and take it. Or if, it, if you gave something away, then you'd be out. In the kingdom, if you give something away, you get more. Okay. To the people that believe that, they operate in generosity. The people that don't believe that, they operate in hoarding. I'm going to keep all the money, put it in a can, sit on the can. Fear not, little flock. It's your father's good pleasure. Good pleasure. You want to be pleasing to God. You want God to be pleased in you, with you. You want to experience His pleasure. Let Him. Let Him be good to you. It's His good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So, a couple things about the kingdom that I need all of us to recognize. Kingdom means king's dominion. And, I, and people think that because God is omnipresent, which means that He's everywhere, that His kingdom is everywhere. That's not true. God is omnipresent, but the kingdom is only in places where His dominion and kingship or lordship is allowed. In my... Um, unsaved, God-hating neighbor, he obviously doesn't have God as king, and God's dominion is not operating in his life. 
in my life, I call Him Lord. He is my King. And I understand what that means. It's a, it's a crazy philosophy for Americans because we're, we think that rebellion is the cool thing. We fly the rebel flag and, yeah, I'm a rebel. Well, it doesn't work well in the kingdom. <laughs> the, the first person to rebel in the kingdom got thrown out. His name was Lucifer. You don't want to be like that. Just in case you'd make everything clear here at Beloved Church, we're going to not be like Lucifer. We are going to be like Jesus. Amen. amen. You didn't say amen. We're going to pray for you later. To bow down, humble yourself, and submit to the Lordship and the King of Kings being your personal king is how you are going to start allowing His dominion to take place in your life. This is actually not that hard to see where you fit on this spectrum. If your um, if your relationships line up with what the king says that they should be, then you are allowing his dominion to take place in your relationships. So then he has kingdom in your relationships. In uh, your sexuality, if you uh, are the husband or the wife of one, and you're married together in holy matrimony, and you are living in sexual purity inside the parameters of marriage, then he has dominion in your sexuality. Everything and anything outside of that, he does not have dominion there. And I'm not being, listen, I'm not talking to anybody. I'm just saying. That's the reality. If you are a generous person with your finances, then he has dominion in your finances. If not, he doesn't. He's, he's, not, he's not being mean to you. He's, he's not calling you a jerk and a terrible kid and anything like that. He's not sending the curse and giving you cancers and all that stuff that evil preachers talk about. You just, he just doesn't have dominion there. So it's not appropriate for you to pray for him to do things there when you haven't given him dominion. Any place that you give him dominion, it's appropriate to expect his promises to take place in those areas. Any place you haven't given him dominion, it is inappropriate to expect what he has declared over those areas of your life. This is really important. He only has dominion in places that it was offered to him of your will. He does not have dominion in the... This is... We're in a jacked up political time right now. Got fake people pretending to be presidents and all kinds of other stuff. Shundai. And I cannot tell you how many Christians have just laid down and just let bygones be bygones, just let any old thing happen because they have this philosophy of, well, if God didn't want it to happen, it wouldn't happen. What a terrible, terrible thing to implicate God and someone literally stealing... I can't even say this stuff. (laughs) 
You know what I'm trying to say. You know the thing. <laughs> to say God's in charge of that. You know how many Christians I've heard? Well, God's in charge. Of what? Of people... Uh, like, God's in charge of the government that's killing babies, that's molesting its citizenry, that's uh, literally assaulting children in public schools. Assaulting them. If I would have done to children what the government is doing to children 30 years ago, I would be in prison for life. I don't know how many of you know this, but you're fourth graders are being shown homoerotic porn in school. By command. By command of the government. If I would have went and got a neighbor kid in the fourth grade and brought him into my house and showed him the exact same things 30 years ago, I would have been put away for life. This is going on. You think God's in charge of that? You think God's in control of that? You have the wrong God. God is not in charge. God is not in control. You don't want to know where He's in charge and where He's in control? The castle house. As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. At Beloved, at Beloved Church, He is going to be in charge and He is going to be in control. We are going to humble ourselves before His mighty hand and then He will exalt us in due time. That's where he's in charge. That's where he's in control. So if you see something that is not God-like, godly, then you can probably put two and two together and say, God's not in charge there. The kingdom is not happening there. The next step when you recognize that is to go there and bring the kingdom with you. The first thing that the kingdom has is a king. Number one, you do not have a kingdom without a king. So those of you that have struggled with Lord or king, because it grates on your self-centeredness, and you're just not going to let anybody be in charge of your life, you're not in the kingdom. God still loves you. God still will save you. God will still pour out on you forgiveness. You'll still be able to experience some of the realities by looking at the kingdom. Because Jesus said that there's a difference between seeing the kingdom in John chapter 3. Some people see the kingdom. The way you see the kingdom is by being born again. But the way you enter into the kingdom is by having the Spirit come on and lead you. That's lordship. And people have been rejecting the Holy Spirit. Entire denominations have blasphemed the Holy Spirit, and they think it's a cool thing to do. You being submitted and led by the Spirit is what makes you a son. Those that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So entering into the kingdom is by humbling yourself, submitting to the Lordship, the King, Jesus. The second thing that a kingdom has is borders. I know, this is totally not politically correct to talk about today. But believe it or not, every kingdom has borders. 
There are places in the kingdom and there are places outside of the kingdom. It's shocking that I have to say these things because you would just think everybody would understand that. Okay, well, I'm on your property. I'm not on your property. We understand that in our property. I mean, I, Kay and I go, we walk, I walk a lot. And a lot of times Kay will go with me. I walk between four and ten miles a day. Almost every day. And one of the cool things I've noticed as I walk, because even if I travel and minister in other places, I walk all over the place. Um, and I get chased by every animal. <laughs> and in some places it's not even legal to carry my little, I won't even say what it is. <laughs> And one of the things that I've noticed lately is that people all the time are putting up these little signs in their yards telling other people to not let their dogs crap in their, or however you say that nicely. Don't let your dog defecate in somebody else's yard. Which to me is so insulting to have an animal and literally take it to somebody else's property and let it use somebody else's property as a toilet. Like talk, and some of these people are Christians. They, well, they say they are. That is not, that's not Christian. The, in, in America, we understand border when it comes to your neighbor's dog pooping. But we don't understand border as it relates to a nation. That's not okay to have a border as a nation. But to have a border for your neighbor's dog pooping, you buy a sign. Sit in your front porch with a BB gun. Show you. I, nobody does that in here. Don't tell me if you do. A kingdom has a border. In fact, you can even read about in Revelation 19 that New Jerusalem, when New Jerusalem is built on the earth by the saints that it has gates and walls. Now, just so you know, New Jerusalem is like after everything. After everybody wins and everybody's godly that's still around. No bad people, no devil, no no sin, no trespassers, no evil (laughs) uh, kingdoms invading, no nothing. And it still has walls. And gates. Figure that one out. God is okay with walls and gates. He's okay with borders on the kingdom because kingdoms have borders. Jesus talked about it, that the sheep that are in his sheepfold, they can go out and come in. Go out and come in. You can actually, of your free will, you can walk outside of the kingdom do things if you think you need to, and then you can come back in the kingdom. And God doesn't stand there with like a billy club like, how dare you? You want to walk out? Walk out. You want to walk in? Walk in. It is right here. It's available. But you still got to come in through the gate. The gate is Jesus. So if you think that you're coming in and going out based upon you, you're in the wrong kingdom. That's your gate, and you're the gate. Self-centeredness is a terrible gate to go in and out of. The third thing that uh, every kingdom has is citizens. Amen. <laughs> Means there's people in them their kingdoms. 
in our kingdom, in the kingdom of our God, the cool thing is all the citizens get to be sons. That was okay. That was about half of you. Now, some folks can just be citizens because they don't necessarily understand that God actually wants you to be a son, to be an heir of the kingdom. And, I, and here, we're unique or peculiar, depending on how you like the scriptures. We're peculiar here at Beloved Church. We think everybody should be a son. And I, the gals, just so you know, son is huios in the Greek, and it's not a gender term. It's an identity and inheritance term. So we believe everybody should be a son. Now, some people are like, hey, I don't really think God loves me that much. I really don't think God did that. And so can I just come in as a citizen? Yeah, sure. Whatever. Come in. (laughs) It's way better in than out. And while you're in and you're looking at all the sons around, you're like, well, that would be better. Yeah, amen. You want to help? Yeah, well, let's do that. But until then, that's fine. Come in as a citizen. The cool thing is, in the kingdom, the citizens and the sons, they both get the same benefits of the kingdom. The difference is the sons inherit the whole thing. Citizens just live there. So I don't care where you're at in your spiritual walk in here today. I want you in. And whether that's in as a citizen and you're just kind of doing the thing and trying it out or whatever, that's fine. I can assure you, you look at this long enough, you let this happen, you let this culture invade you. (laughs) Amen. And you'll go from singing hymns to R&B. Right, Valerie? (laughs) Can I tell on you? This is either going to go really well or I'm going to be in big trouble. <laughs> Valerie first came to the church. Uh, her first Sunday sat in the very back, just like most people do. They don't know whether they want to be around those weirdos. And uh, did the whole thing. Uh, got super blessed by the message, super blessed by all the people. And barely could tolerate the music because that was totally not her experience in church. And... So I normally, when people visit, I'll get, if they fill out the, the guest card, I'll get an email or I'll get something from the guest services team, and I'll know who visited. And if they're willing to actually put their phone number on stuff, then I'll call them, usually within the first week after they visit. I'll say, hey, it's Pastor Steve. I want you to have my number. Super appreciate you being a part of the church and, and coming and hanging out with us, blah, 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 blah. And how was your experience? And Valerie says, well... This is alright. But that music. And I'm the drummer. <laughs> so I'm like, well, you know, I mean, it's, I get it. It's, you know, not the atypical kind of church thing. So I'm like, well, you know what? If you can just kind of push through, suffer through a little bit of our music. You know, it's, she's like, no, I really, I really like what you guys are saying. And da, 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 da. So she suffered through a couple of more services. And it's funny, as the culture started to affect her and change her and influence her, at, like at some point, like two months in, I get, a, I get a text from Valerie of a song. And... I call her. I'm like, what is this? She goes, this is one of my favorite songs right now. And I'm like, oh, okay. She's like, you should really listen to it. So I listened to it. 
it is straight up Christian like R&B. I'm like, how you go from not liking our music because we're not him enough to share in R&B Christian songs with me? And she's like, you can dance to it. I'm like, girl. <laughs> and it's just a little example. Like, I think sometimes people get so wrapped up in how things are and their traditions and their own personal opinions. They, this is how they live. And there is absolutely nothing outside of their little tiny box that they got God in life. And someone comes along and says, hey, it's like way cool outside. Outside? There's stuff outside. No, take the mask off. You can breathe better. Take the mask off? There's viruses and stuff. You'll be okay. There's been viruses for 6,000 years. We've been breathing air for... In the kingdom, be prepared. There's a ton of stuff in the kingdom. It's not like the way you like it. It's better. Be okay with that. The fourth thing... I did do two or three other things, right? King, citizens, borders. The fourth thing that's in the kingdom... And there's a ton more than this. I get that. But there's laws. Every kingdom has laws. Even in our nation, as a republic, that's not officially a kingdom. In a republic, we have laws. Every kingdom has laws. Specifically in ours, we have a constitution. We are a constitutional republic. It really irks me when people say we're a democracy. No, we are not. We are a constitutional republic. Our elections are democratic, but we are a constitutional republic, which that means that our entire system is based upon the Constitution. Now, I'm not doing this to promote my personal pocket Constitution. Who does not have a pocket Constitution that would like one for free? Nobody. Everyone in here has a pocket Constitution. You ready? Why is the Constitution important? Because if you don't know your rights, they can be easily taken from you. Do you know why we are in the place that we are in in America? Because nobody knows their rights. And so they're easily taken from you. You know, it it is unconstitutional for you to pay property taxes. It is unconstitutional for you to be required to have a driver's license. It is unconstitutional for the government to force you to buy insurance. It is unconstitutional for the government to take 30, 40, 50% of your income. Well, it is? Yeah. Well, then they should stop it. You're right. Someone should do something about that. Well, who's in charge? We the people. Well, I'm not going to do nothing. There you go. Someone else should. How many times have you heard this? Something bad happens and then someone goes, you know, they should make a law. If they made a law about that, yeah, because everybody follows the laws. 
if we just ban more guns, there'd be less guns and less gun crimes. <laughs> because all the people that break the laws by murder obviously would follow all the gun laws. Uh, I mean, actually disobeying the law that says that you shouldn't murder, that's really little, nobody really cares about that, but obeying the magazine capacity limit on the new gun laws, now everybody's going to follow that. I can imagine the drug dealers sitting around the table saying, did you hear they passed a magazine? I know, now we can only shoot five people at a time. If you don't know your rights, they can be easily taken from you. Marxists know this. Socialists know this. Communists know this. That's why they're doing it. And we're letting them because we don't know our rights. Do you know? This is just an example, and then I'm going to move on. Do you know that you cannot be required to wear a mask? based upon the Fourth Amendment and the Ninth Amendment, of the Bill of Rights that is 240 years old. Do you know how many people wear a mask? Do you know how many times I have confronted someone who's tried to force me to wear a mask? And I said, you know that you can't do this. And they say, well, it's the law. First off, it's not the law. And secondly, if they pass a law that violates the Constitution, the person that passes it actually is supposed to go to jail for at least 10 years. This is why, before I'm done, our illustrious governor will have his amazing wife come help him decorate his cell. Because he's removed people's constitutionally protected rights under what the legal term is, the color of law. He will go to prison. There's going to be a lot of governors. There's going to be a lot of elected officials. There's going to be a lot of sheriffs. Because they did not protect people's constitutional rights in this nation, they will be going to prison. Mark my words. Call me a prophet, if you will. Mark my words. They will be in prison. Because there is enough people now today and more every day that are rising up and saying, wait a minute. Wait just a minute. I don't think you're allowed to do that. And they say, well, yeah, we are. Prove it. Well, don't look behind the curtain. And a bunch of folks are looking behind the curtain. Now let me say this. I'm not doing some political thing here. I'm telling you this because the laws that are in the kingdom of God can be subverted by folks that don't know their rights. The enemy can come in and say, Hey, don't you know that everybody gets sick? Well, yeah, I've heard that. They say that on the news all the time. You know, everybody eventually is going to get some disease. I mean, how, are you going to, how else are you going to die? Yeah, that does make sense. And all the commercials are selling me medicine for all the sickness and diseases that I didn't know I had until I seen the commercial. 
Well, don't you know that as you get older, you know, your eyes go and your ears go and, and then, you know, you gotta go insane. Everybody goes insane when they get older. Ha ha ha, it's kind of funny. You're getting older, huh? You're forgetting stuff, huh? Yeah, I'm getting older, so I'm forgetting stuff. Being unto you according to your words. Amen. The enemy knows that you have a right. By his stripes, you are healed. The enemy knows that. He absolutely knows that. But he comes in and says, hey, 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 hey. It's not really physical healing. It's spiritual healing. Well, thank you, Satan, for helping me understand the scriptures. I am so glad you're here to teach me. And people just accept it. I had a three-hour conversation with another pastor um, not that long ago, and I was explaining to him, Tetelestai, the finished work of the cross, that is super important for everybody in here to understand. And the cool thing was, after three hours, he started to get it. And he's someone that is, um, by definition... A ton more acceptable in the body of Christ than I am. Went to seminaries, got the degrees, did all the stuff that I didn't do. I'm just a regular Bible college guy. <laughs> and he, and I quoted to him probably a hundred, quoted to him a hundred scriptures, and I did it so fast and so intense that he's like, stop! <laughs> he's, he, I can't go to those scriptures that fast. Hold on, let me put my glasses on. He's like, don't you wear glasses? I said, no. Titelestai. And I'm not making fun of anybody wearing glasses. Like, but you don't. You have a right to not have to. Amen. Your eyesight doesn't have to get bad. Amen. Your ears don't have to get bad. Amen. You don't have to get old and fall apart. Amen. You can actually get old and become seasoned. Amen. Like fine wine. My wife said to me one time, she goes, she goes, you guys, it's so irritating. Guys get older, they get distinguished. Girls get older, we get wrinkly. I'm like, baby, fight it! Go! Like, fight! <laughs> but it's true. We, what, if you accept that, you know, your body regenerates itself. Every cell in your body regenerates itself in seven years or less. Every single cell. God literally created your body to never age. The oldest you will ever be by God creation of your body is seven. Anybody? You want to go back to seven? Heck no. That stunk. Law. There are laws in the kingdom. I'm going to do this really fast. Oh, my Lord. This is where all of you, you note folks... Pay attention. I'm going to drop some huge bombs along the way because I'm going to go through some scriptures that I've spent 15 years of meditating on. 15 years. Some of these scriptures, I meditated on them for months at a time. So I'm going to drop stuff along the way. This is where you're going to have to check out of your brain and check into your spirit, the mind of your spirit. Second Peter chapter 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Servant and apostle. You can be both. To them that have obtained like precious faith. Anybody know who that is? Okay, two, three, and a half. 
Okay, that's you. If you're born again, you use this faith to get born again. Every man that's born again has been dealt the measure of faith. Nobody in this room has more or less faith. Now, some people are using more or less. Okay. Everybody in this room has a bicep. Some of us are using more or less of our biceps. I can beat my mom arm wrestling. You guys are laughing. I'm telling you, like when we were kids, mom, mom is way stronger than she looks. When we were kids, you, you crossed a line in your maturing when you could beat mom arm wrestling. She used to arm wrestle us. And she beat us for a long time. And then one day, you beat her. And then you, the funny thing is you walk around, yeah, that's right, I beat mom arm wrestling. <laughs> Go to school and brag about it. All your friends are like, you're an idiot. <laughs> I've been working at it for years. Like precious faith. You have the exact same faith as Peter. You have the same faith as Steve. You have the same faith as Jesus. Galatians 2.20 I was crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The faith of the Son of God. Not in the Son of God. Of the Son of God. You're using His faith. You should use it the way He used it. In uh, Luke chapter... uh, Mark, Luke. In the Bible, in chapter 7, in one of the Gospels, it talks about the servant that God gave to all of us. Everyone in this room has a servant. That servant's name is faith. You're actually supposed to treat your faith like a slave. You're supposed to work it all day, work it all night, give it no food, give it no water, work it. And most people are like, come on over here, faith. You just stay there and rest. When I need you, I'll let you know. You just stay right there. Here's your binky. (laughs) Who have obtained, past tense, have obtained like precious faith. With us, through the righteousness of God. I did an hour and a half Zoom on Thursday. By the way, I do a Zoom discipleship class at 3 p.m. every Thursday. If you'd like to be a part of it, let me know. I'll make you part of it. But I did an hour and a half on the righteousness of God. So trust me when I tell you that I can't talk about righteousness right here. But I'll tell you this. The end results are the word righteousness is actually a legal term. In Greek, that means after a thorough investigation, you have been found to be completely innocent. That's what the term right, that means you're in right standing with God. God thoroughly investigated you. The righteousness of God means God was the judge and God did all the thorough investigation. He thoroughly investigated you. He looked at all the evidence that was presented by Satan and says, they're innocent. Satan says, wait! They did all this stuff and they said, yeah, but there was already a payment made in the blood of Jesus Christ. And so therefore, they're completely innocent. And then Satan throws a temper tantrum and then he gets kicked out of heaven. It's fun. You should imagine it sometimes. 
Thank God, just... Grace and peace be multiplied. How many folks would like peace multiplied? Grace, the favor, the unmerited favor of God multiplied in your life. Woohoo! Whatever. How? Well, God's just going to sovereignly come down in my kitchen and just pour like a wheelbarrow. No, the way grace and peace is multiplied unto you is through the knowledge of God. What you don't know is killing you. What you don't know is making you poor. What you don't know is making you sick. What you don't know is making you oppressed. What you don't know is making you depressed. What you don't know is making you a servant and a slave to this entire worldly system. What you could know would multiply grace and peace in your life. Multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Why both? Because the nature and the character of your Father is extremely important. But the atoning process and the finished work of the cross is as equally as important. A lot of people know that God is good. A lot of people know that God is love. But they've never actually experienced it. They've never humbled themselves and come to the cross and died on the same cross and let the finished work of Christ be their finished work. They know about God, and you don't know God. There is a difference. Verse 3, according as His divine power has. Past tense. Past tense. Past tense. (sighs) Past tense. According as His divine power. The word power is dunamis. Dynamite. Dynamo. Dynamic. Power. Has given unto us all things. Anybody know what all means in Greek? Praise God. Good church. All things that pertain unto life and godliness. All things that pertain unto life and godliness have been given unto you through His divine Theos power. The very power of God brought all these things. Well, I don't have the things that I need that pertain unto life. Do you want me to believe you or this? Please don't put me in that place. Well, I don't have what it takes to be as godly as God wants me. I'm just only human. Everybody makes mistakes. We all just fumble and stumble through life. Everything that pertains unto life and godliness has been given, past tense, unto you. How does it come? Through knowledge. If you don't know your constitution, you will have your freedoms taken away from you. If you don't know the promises that God has given to you, you will have your benefits and freedoms stripped away by one who comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But the Lord has come to give you abundant life. His quality and His quantity of life. Through the knowledge of Him that has called you to glory and virtue. Whereby... Whereby, through His knowledge, through the knowledge and intimate understanding, deep personal experiential relationship with Him, that is how is given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. The word exceeding is megas. Megas. You know when God says something is mega? I can assure you, your opinion of Mega and his opinion of Mega are two different opinions. 
And so when he gives you mega great and precious promises, the way you think that those promises are and the way he wants those promises to be, there's probably a little bit of a differential there. Are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these, by these, by the great and precious promises, by, by the, the rights that belong to you, by the rights that belong to you, in the scriptures, in the constitution of your kingdom, those rights that belong to you are how he's going to bring all things that pertain unto life and godliness, and these are going to be exceeding mega, and they're going to be precious, valuable, of high value, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. The divine nature. You know what that means? You don't get to play the human card no more. Well, I'm only human. Well, you should come to beloved church, get born again, and then sit in this culture, and you are going to take the divine nature. Well, I don't want it. Well, then don't come. (laughs) This is only for people that want to have the divine nature. The great and precious promises that you know that you have intimacy with are what's going to bring the divine nature into your life. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. This is a double entendre. There's two things that are being said here. The way that corruption gets into your life or into the world is through lust. James says that the way that you conceive the baby of sin is by first having the interaction, the intercourse of thought life. If you think about evil stuff, you will eventually bring forth a baby of evil. That is called sin. If you think about divine things, you will conceive them in your heart, and then God will add to them power, and you will conceive godly desires. You have a spiritual womb on the inside of you called your heart. So the way that corruption gets into your life or into the world is through lust. But the way you escape the corruption that is in the world is through lust. It's just a different lust. It's the lusting after the things of God. Lusting after the nature of God. Lusting after God's heart, His character. You can escape the corruption that's in the world by lusting after the things of God. And for those of you that are struggling with that, it actually says in Corinthians, it says that the Spirit of God, or in Galatians, that the Spirit lusteth after the flesh, and the flesh lusteth after the Spirit. There's actually two fights of lust that's going on. What the Spirit lusts to do in your life, and what the flesh lusts to do in your life. And whichever lust you go with is what passion you're going to be motivated by. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust... And besides this, in addition, give all diligence. means activate. Add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. Temperance is self-control. I can't go there. Uh, just let me say this. The fruit, one, of the, one of the benefits of the fruit of the Spirit bearing out in your life what Pastor Ryan just talked about, Galatians 5.22. One of those fruit is self-control. Do you know that you cannot control self without the Spirit? There's no such thing as self-help. There's self-hell, but there's not self-help. Self can't help self. 
Jesus said, in order for you to go into a strong man's house and spoil his house, you have to first bind the strong man. Self is a strong man. The only way to go in and spoil what self has done is to bind the strong man. Self can't bind self. Your will is not stronger than your will. You need the Spirit. This is why you're incapable of ever really truly helping yourself. And those people that have convinced themselves that they've helped themselves, all they're doing is living in complete deception. Because eventually self will catch up with you. It's what I call a dry drunk. Well, I'm just not going to drink anymore. Mm. Okay, great. You're still a drunk. You just ain't drinking. And eventually, you'll get tired of all the self, and you'll drink. I've seen it over and over and over and over and over. I've been 30 years sober. I literally just talked to a guy who was 38 years sober the other day. And he was, he started over. Went out, had a whole binge weekend. 38 years sober, had a binge weekend. And I know you're thinking, no, wait. Yeah, wait. Self will wait. Self is like gravity. Gravity is affecting you whether you like it or not. You can get in an airplane and pretend like you're awesome. Fly around the globe. But I'm telling you, you turn those engines off. (laughs) Gravity wins. And a lot of people just think as long as they keep putting jet fuel into their self that they're going to be okay. I got news for you. Eventually you're going to run out of fuel. Self can't help self. The spirit Lord's over self, temperance, self-control, patience. And to patience, add to your self-control patience. And to patience, add God-likeness. Patience doesn't mean just suffering through with all the stupid people around you, which is how most people interpret patience. That's not patience. (laughs) That's stupid. That's not patience. Patience is faith over a long time. It's enduring Faith. It's believing the same thing even when you <clears throat> even when you don't see it. That's faith with patience. If you say, I believe God healed me, and immediately you don't see your symptom disappear, you know what the average person will do? Well, I guess God didn't heal me. Which means you didn't believe. If you come up here and you have a symptom and I command that symptom to go away and it doesn't immediately go away, the average person will say, well, I guess it didn't work. A person who has patience will say, it will. It didn't right now, but it will. Because the command of faith has been given. You know how long it took God to get Jesus into the earth? 4,000 years. God's patient. Think about that one. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness is the word Philadelphia. It's brotherly love. You add to God likeness brotherly love. Brotherly love has to do with the kononia, the culture that we have here at Beloved Church. We believe that the more that we're around each other, the more grace we extend to each other, the more mercy, the more we understand each other, the more intimacy that we share together, that the more that we will grow in love one towards another. Philadelphia is the kind of love that you actually apply towards that person, their character, and their nature. And you should have brotherly love taking place in your life. 
But there is a reality to brotherly love that it tends to lean towards performance. I cannot Philadelphia K. If my love for her is based on her performance, I don't have a wife. I have a prostitute. Do you know how many people are married to a prostitute? Because they're only going to give them affection based upon how much performance they have for them. <laughs> and then they get mad because they've got to pay for it. Add to your God-likeness brotherly kindness, Philadelphia. And to brotherly kindness and to Philadelphia, add agape. Yes, I want you to have brotherly love. Fam- familia love. The kind of love where you see someone who's lovable and you give them love. But you're also supposed to add to that kind of love, agape love. Agape love means there is zero performance. You are giving it to them because you are loving. Not because they're lovable. You are giving them what they don't deserve. This is God's kind of love. This is the love of God. God loved you when you hated Him and you were His enemy. He died for you on a cross. This is agape love. God actually cared more for you than Him. He tore apart the Trinity so He could rescue your sorry butt. He cared more for you than Him. Agape love means you care more for the person that you're giving it to than you do for even yourself. This is marriage. I gotta go. For all these things, oh, someone needs to have some marriage counseling. <laughs> Do you hear what he said? Shut up, woman. For <laughs> for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren. They make you. Make you. That's a divine creative word. They make you. They make you. Praise God. They make you. That you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the deep, intimate relationship of our Lord Jesus. But, double-edged sword, he that lacks these things is blunt, temporal, They live their life moment by moment, being pushed around by every wind and wave of doctrine, by whatever negative thing happens, by whatever circumstance, whatever shows up. They just literally run around like a chicken with their head cut off, being pushed around by every single thing and every single one that comes that wants to rule and reign over their lives. That's exactly what that means. But he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off. Short-sighted. And has forgotten that he was purged from his old sin nature. You were purged from the nature of sin. Well, I don't feel like it. Don't matter. Well, I don't see it. Still don't matter. You were purged. The reason that you're not believing it and you're not seeing it is because you're letting this world push you around nonstop. Push your emotions, push your circumstances, push your, your situation, push, 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 push. And so you cannot literally sit down and rest and come to the full understanding and the full knowledge that you have been purged by that old way of life. 
Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, most people don't believe that's in the Bible. Most people don't know that that is in the Bible. You shall never fail. If you walk up to the average Christian and you say, hey, do you believe that you can live in a way that you'll never fail? Well, no, of course not. We're all sinners. We all sin. What verse is that? Well, it's, you know, what we all believe. We all who? I'm going to believe this. I believe that if I am diligent about these things, I can make it so I do not have to fail. Well, that's crazy, Pastor. Everybody has to fail. Okay. You believe what you want to believe. I'm going to believe this. The Constitution. The law of the kingdom that I live in. The law of the kingdom that I live in is that if I'm diligent about these things, I shall never fail. The word fail means trip, stumble, or fall. (laughs) You want to live that way? I do. I don't know about you. I want to live so I don't have to ever be concerned about tripping, stumbling, or failing. All right. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom. Gates, walls. This is how an entrance is given into the kingdom for you. This is so beautiful. Well, I don't know how to get into the kingdom. Read it. It's your constitution. These are your blood-bought rights. In the same way that patriots produced the Bill of Rights, your brother, the original patriot, the original son of liberty, Jesus Christ, purchased in his blood your rights. So no matter who comes along, and no matter who they say has empowered them, they are a thief and a robber. And you should use your Second Amendment rights to defend what belongs to you. And if that means get out your sword and let folks know they get much closer and they're going to feel that cold steel, then that's what it means. And when the enemy comes and he says, no, you have to be sick, you get your sword out and you say, say it again. Because my God, Purchased in his blood, my rights to never be sick again, to never stumble and never fall in sickness or disease. Well, that doesn't... Okay, okay, okay. You're supposed to use that sword to defend your rights. In the same way the Second Amendment is there to defend the First Amendment, the sword of the Spirit is there to defend the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit. I'm just going to read these and then we're done. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. Why? Because you'll forget them. America forgot. But we're remembering. And be established in the present Truth. There is old truth, constitution, 
There's new truth. The Spirit leading you every day. Yea, I think it meet, necessary, as long as I am in this physical body, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. This is Peter and me say the same thing. I think it's necessary to stand up here every single Sunday and remind you that the finished work of the cross is finished for you. To remind you that by His stripes you're healed. To remind you that He Himself bore sicknesses and carried our diseases on the cross. To remind you that you have every right to be a son in the kingdom and let Him provide for you. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able, after my decease, after my decease, you know what the word decease is in the Greek? Exodus. Exodus. You know Christians don't die? Amen. Amen. Be it unto you according to what you believe. If you want to die, go on and die. Go on, get sick, get broke, get terrible, lay in a doctor's bed, or lay in a hospital and, and let everything fall apart and have pain and misery and, you, if you want to do that, be it unto you. But according to the scriptures, Christians exodus. Your choice. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we have made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For He received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to Him from the excellent glory. How did the Father give Jesus honor and glory? By speaking identity and love. How are you going to have honor and glory from your Father? By hearing Him speak through the Scriptures, His love, and your identity. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. You're a son. He loves you. He's pleased with you. This is the voice which came from heaven we heard and we were, when we were with Him in the holy mountain. We also have a more sure word of prophecy. There's something better than the audible voice of God telling you that you're a beloved son. That He is well pleased in you. There's something greater than that. No way. Yes way. There is. The prophecy of the Scriptures, whereunto you do well that you take heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first. First. That no prophecy of the Scriptures is of private interpretation. First, you've got to know the Scriptures. If you don't know your Constitution, your rights will be taken from you. If you're going to live in the Kingdom, you've got to know your Constitution. The Constitution is the Word of God. Guess why the enemy wants you to be so busy that you don't have time for the Bible? Guess why when you read the Bible for 30 seconds, you get tired? (laughs) All the people that dropped their heads when I said that. That's why. But if you push through that, you'll be all right. You've got to know your Constitution. If you're going to be a good patriot in America, you've got to know your rights. If you are going to be a good son in the kingdom, you've got to know your rights. You've got to know your Constitution. That is the law of the land of the kingdom of God. You need to know the great and precious, the mega precious promises 
that belong to you. Please rise. I'd like to bless you. Thank you so much for sharing this time with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of his life-changing word. If you would like to learn more about Steve Castle Ministries and Beloved Church, you can go online to stevecastle.com or belovedchurchillinois.com. You can also contact us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are a part of the Beloved Family of God, and Beloved Church is the place where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart to receive as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. I pray, I declare that above all things that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances and also divine health prospering your body and all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the Father desires for you to have. We love you and we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon. Goodbye, beloved.